High School Slumber Party AP is a Cage Club Podcast Network production. For all things Cage Club and High School Slumber Party, head over to cageclub.me. That's cageclub.me. Slumbers who take their studies a little more seriously. I'm Brian Rodriguez. And I'm Aislinn Addington. And this is High School Slumber Party AP, a study session in contemporary teen films. And your assignment today was to watch 2019's Mickey and the Bear. But before we chat all about that film, we have some homework to discuss. Absolutely. Have you hit that subscribe button wherever you're listening to us right now? Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, all the other ones. And of course, class participation is a huge part of your grade. So follow High School Slumber Party on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And Aizen, before we chat, Mickey and the Bear, I have to admit, we committed an error on our Valley Girl episode, but it is a very, uh, I, I don't know, uh, uh, the error works out because it's related to today's episode okay mickey and the bear of course stars camilla marone and camilla marone is in valley girl as well and neither of us mentioned that on the entire valley girl episode for whatever reason she's the counterpart to alicia silverstone's character right that's so odd i feel like we both knew that and we both for whatever reason skipped over her. i think oh gotcha yes the correct like, we talked about the daughter and the mother relationship, but we just didn't say who played the daughter for whatever Correct. reason. Correct. So yes. Yeah. An oversight that a couple people pointed out to me, and I'm like, well, you're in luck, because we're going to talk about her a lot today. And we mentioned her her role in Valley Girl in this conversation, in the Mickey and the Bear conversation. Yeah, which we recorded uh, just a couple weeks ago, so pretty recent. So it's funny that we were able to bring it up organically here, but we didn't bring it up on the episode. So just for all you out there who were wondering or confused, don't worry. We're going to talk about her today. And eyes on your uh, AP catch-up homework assignment, if you will, uh-huh. was was to watch Never Going Back. So we'll be talking about her again soon anyway so 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 much to do <laughs> i i want to say um extra extra credit ap extra credit for uh listeners pointing that out to us thank you for that you all get a star sticker <laughs> really really appreciate that shows that people are paying attention so <laughs> thank you once again um the other thing i wanted to talk about before we got into mickey and the bear where uh, oscar nominations came out and i feel like there's a lot more teen film nominations this year than we got last year. Now, they're not traditional teen films like, you know, an American Pie-esque thing isn't getting nominated for an Oscar or, or The Kissing Booth or To All the Boys or things like <laughs> that. But a lot of the, 
uh, teen adjacent films, if you will. So wanted to go through the list and just maybe get your thoughts. And let's start with Coda. Um, we haven't covered Coda here yet. We we actually before we recorded, we had some some top secret conversations about how we want to do that. So we will be covering Coda, uh, hopefully in the near future. But that got a bunch of noms. Best Picture, Best Supporting Actor, Troy Kotzer, who was like the dad, and Best Adapted Screenplay as well. So really happy to see Coda up there. Absolutely. And I like that variety of nominations. You know, the Oscars being one award, one metric for good, in quotes, work in film, not by any means the only way to you know, measure or judge or what have you, but is one that, you know, a lot of people look to and is just, you know, widely understood as, you know, meaningful in our culture. So I love that, that, that variety, right? So, you know, best picture is a team, but producers accept, right? As well as an acting and a writing. That's pretty cool, right? Like such really a, cool. I think to me, that variety sort of says like, yeah, there was, there were a lot of people doing like their best work in order to bring this forward and so yeah i love that everyone i know who saw coda really enjoyed it and really thought it was a powerful story um from what i read and by the way i am not a big oscars person maybe i am like shadily on the side i'm, I'm always looking who won i rarely at least these days have watched the award shows I'm, I'm kind of not a oh you win an oscar you're automatically the best type of person you know but I guess when they acknowledge things I actually enjoy, <laughs> I selfishly <laughs> pay attention. Change your tune. <laughs> For Coda, I, I was reading a lot of things and listening to some podcasts, and they were kind of saying that its place on Apple TV mm-hmm. has, I don't want to say hurt the film, but kind of, um, it hasn't been exposed enough to a lot of the audiences. And this nomination process will get a lot more people to watch it, which is, I mean, again, we both enjoyed it. So I think that's the even more awesome aspect of getting nominated for an Oscar, if you can get that kind of exposure. But Apple is relatively new to the Oscar nomination game, uh, Mm -hmm. if you will. Netflix, which has been doing this for a while now, still hasn't won an Oscar. Um, I'm sure they will at some point. Uh, maybe even this year, who knows? But it's it's very political. It's very, uh, you know, you have to take out ads and you have to know the right people. It's a whole thing. So it favors more of the traditional studios usually. With that being said, to get that exposure is amazing. And it's not the only teen film or, again, teen-adjacent film to be nominated. Licorice Pizza, P.T. Anderson's film, got a bunch of nominations as well. Three to be specific. Best Picture. Best Director, and Best Original Screenplay. Um, Not a surprise. Paul Thomas Anderson usually gets his noms. We'll see, but once again, another another teen-adjacent film. (laughs) One of our omissions got a ton of nominations. And I say our omissions. We, of course, had our uh, 2021 teen film review, but we're not able to cover West Side Story 1 because I wasn't thinking of it as a teen film. (laughs) 2 was also in the theaters during that time, and neither of us got a chance to see it. Um, But that got Best Picture, Best Director, Best Supporting Actress, Best Sound, Best Production Design, Cinematography, and Costume Design. So a lot of noms for West Side Story there. Absolutely. Like you say, you know, Oscars tend to reward the 
sort of studios we know, the names we know, things like that. So also not a huge surprise of, you know, super funded. And the, there's that um, nostalgia kind of piece of it, right? And then certainly looking at kind of, you know, sound and design and costume, like, yeah, absolutely. That seems like, you know, West Side Story had a lot of that going on. So I'm not at all surprised to see that. Yeah, it's such a, a legacy, uh, you know, product, West Side Story. I think if you haven't seen this version of West Side Story, you've seen some version of West Side Story. Even the actor nomination, uh, Ariana DeBose, she is being nominated for the same role that Rita Moreno groundbreakingly won for as well. So there's a legacy there too. So yeah. I know it went to the theaters, but it's such an, when I say accessible story, I mean, like I said, People know the story generally of West Side Story. So um, I still have yet to see it, but I mean, looks like it might pick up some gold here. Encanto, which again, I still haven't seen, but I've been told the main character is a teenager. Three three nominations, best animated feature, best original song, and best original score. That checks out. The music is blown up. So, (laughs) And there's a lot of actors who got nominated who we've talked about on High School Slumber Party, like Andrew Garfield, for example. We talked about him in the Spider-Man series, but wanted to give a shout-out to High School Slumber Party Hall of Famer Kirsten Dunst for getting Best Supporting Actor nomination, or Best Supporting Actress nomination for uh, Power of the Dog. So shout-out to Kiki there. And Kristen Stewart. I don't think anyone would have believed, um, not, not because of her or anything, but like there was an era in the Twilight films where that was really relegated to just teenage trash essentially sure yeah at the at the um i you know i would say start or hype or height of yes the twilight saga it would be um harder to picture kind of if you take that out of her body of work i think it it's such a different story for sure but yeah uh definitely a high school slumber party all-star and um that's fun to see that's great and uh just wanted to mention this that i was talking with some people who have seen more movies than I have, as I spend most of my time watching teen films. But uh, King Richard, which is that Will Smith movie about the Williams sisters. For most of the movie, the Williams sisters are teenagers. So, teen movie? That's a stretch. That's a stretch. I'd have to watch. I mean, I (laughs) I like stretching them in here, though. I like stretching them in. Regardless, I I will watch it at some point. But... It was nominated for a ton of things. Best Picture, Best Actor, Will Smith, Best Supporting Actress, Best Original Screenplay, Best Original Song, and Best Film Editing. So those are also across-the-board things Absolutely. for King yeah. Richard. So just shouting it out here. Yeah, so uh, we will keep you posted on once the winners are announced. And as some of the other award shows, which they already have given out a ton of awards. I think these are really late Oscars, aren't they? In pandemic, I have lost the Oscar calendar. So, I yeah, if you said this is the date it always is, I would believe you. And if you said this is out of season, I would believe you as well. Let's see. Let's go to the before times. Uh, Oscars 2019. Yeah, February 24th. Yeah, I was going to say February is what I remember, but. Let's see. Oscars 2022, March 27th. So, yeah, a little bit more time there. So. Again, we'll keep you posted here. If you get your movie news just from us, we'll let you know who won and stuff. So I highly doubt that, though. Yeah, so uh, let's let's get into our episode of Mickey and the Bear. I think I already mentioned that we recorded this a couple weeks ago, so let's just roll the tape. 
Let's start chatting Mickey and the Bear. Awesome. So Mickey and the Bear from 2019, the Amazon Prime slash stars synopsis is faced with taking care of her opioid addicted father, headstrong teen Mickey does what she can to keep afloat. When she receives the chance to leave her home for good, she must choose between familial obligation and personal fulfillment. Um, that's not quite the movie I watched, but okay. <laughs> had you heard of this one? Uh, I had not, which I'm disappointed in myself because it is written and directed by a woman and takes place and was shot in Montana. Not only that, but a couple places very close to um, where I grew up. So I'm so glad that you suggested it because it was not on my radar. How about you? How did you come across this one? So this is a film that uh, a couple of people recommended to me. I hadn't seen it. I had wanted to watch it, but I was waiting to watch it for the show. Yeah, it's just something that hit the festival circuits that people were talking about kind of in the background here and there. I had seen the the poster a lot, like not out and about walking around the streets, but, you know, online or something. But, yeah, I was excited to see that it took place in Montana. I'm like, oh, this is great. Get to talk to a Montanan, is that? Yes, Montanan, that is correct. Well, happy to talk to a true Montanan about this. And I was going to ask, because obviously Montana, big state, wasn't sure if this was a geography and location that you were familiar with. So you were, you said. Absolutely. Um, yes, Anaconda is notorious in a number of ways. Is it? And then also just some of the establishing shots were so fun. There was a particular moment in the first half when they showed kind of outside of town, which is a small town anyway, but on the mountain in um, Painted Rocks was an A for Anaconda which is something that happens a lot. So in, in Missoula, there's the M ah. um, like the, and it's, it's above the university of Montana. So it's like Montana M and that's um, people hike to the M and it's uh, there are a couple of routes. There's zigzaggy route and a pretty straight route. So that's kind of fun. And then Mount Sentinel also Missoula had, you know, an S and like different mountains have different rock rock letters on them and i know that <laughs> is not just a montana thing but it's pretty prominent in montana and then yeah part of it was shot in missoula county not in missoula but in missoula county and when we get more into the movie i'll point out the spot that i was never allowed to go oh. as a child um but that was uh, a notorious party spot nearby so delighted to see montana difficult circumstances of course in this film and yeah there are things i like there are things i didn't so i'm excited to talk to you about it yeah uh you know can't wait to hear what you think uh, about the film the montana thing's super cool to me because there's not a lot of montana teen films that i have seen we get so many in the valley in california or just like generic you know that generic looking suburb it definitely does not look like this town of anaconda so uh, you you mentioned that it, this town is famous for certain things, or you've you'd heard of it before. What are those things? Well, for me, Anaconda was a stop. It was like the first stop, probably, between my house and my grandmother on my dad's side, who lived oh. on the other side of Montana. Wow. Anaconda is is the county seat of Deer Lodge, Montana, or Deer Lodge County, pardon me, and Deer Lodge is where. 
the prison is. So that was part of it. Um, and then they mentioned Butte at one point, and, and that's famous for copper mines. And so there's sort of, I don't know, Anaconda's a little bit part of that. Yeah, but, I mean, just the fact that you've heard of it and it's a real place. And oh, it's 100% a real place. Yeah, yeah. Th- that's super cool. Now we're just, I, I know I'm asking you questions and not movie yeah, questions, please. but how deep are your Montana roots? Like, Oh, I mean, I've been to, I've been to a tour of the homestead properties for, let's say, great, great grandparents. Wow. For certain, I can, I can say that both sets of grandparents were Montana people for sure. So on my dad's side, um, they're more from the Dakotas. So they're on the Eastern side of Montana in Miles City. And then on my mom's side, um, there's a lot of folks in Kalispell, which is near Flathead Lake, and uh, a lot of folks still there. And then we were nearby in Missoula. So. And we know from previous episodes that you participated in Montana Girls State, so you're familiar. I did, absolutely. Again, I've never been to Montana. I've heard great things. Big sky country, woohoo. Sure. How would you compare your hometown in Missoula to a town like Anaconda, just for perspective of people who are maybe listening and maybe will be like, oh, is Island from that town and Mickey and the Bear, you know? Sure. Missoula is a lot bigger than Anaconda. The small mill community that I am from outside of Missoula gotcha. is probably more akin to Anaconda. Again, we're talking uh, on the Anaconda piece of it as like ore and smelters and super fun sites, things like that. <laughs> Which, again, not, not that far away from uh, Bonner, Montana, which is where I grew up, which also has a super fun site and was a mill community. So it's tied to the land in a lot of ways mm-hmm. and then subject to though how those industries rise and fall. And whereas, you know, Bonner is so close to Missoula, which is a big, big town. So, you know, potentially, I'm just talking out of my butt right now, but like, folks could transition into other industries and Aconda is more of a place where when things kind of go a different direction, there wasn't a lot of opportunity. There is not a lot of opportunity. And like a lot of small towns in the world, I think there's a lot of pride, mm-hmm. right? There are folks that have been there forever. And we see a little bit of that in, in this movie, the way um, there's a scene in the back half of the film where Mickey is having dinner with Wyatt's relatives, I think aunt and uncle, that, you know, know her mom from way back. Like, I liked the way that they slipped that in because it wasn't like a huge plot point or anything. But yeah, if you start talking to people and you say, you know, they'll ask your last name, they'll ask if you know this person and like making those connections because there are people that are there for generations Similarly, you know, we know from the beginning of the film that there is a relationship between Mickey and the sheriff because Mickey's dad, Hank, has been in and out of trouble. And, you know, so there's a lot of that kind of small town. We all know each other. You know, Hank finds out about things that Mickey has done just because it's a small town. I mean, I think there's a lot of those little pieces that felt true to life. And even like the taxidermy stuff was like, okay, that makes sense that that would be her after school job. Again, not everything is going to be like Wild West themed. <laughs> I wasn't thinking that, but yeah. <laughs> but, but yeah, there's a lot, right? I mean, the land, the land is so important. And I think they were able to 
I think have that make some of those connections without it being super overt. Um, again, that being said, so I, I guess I loved the performances. I loved the backdrop, obviously very biased in that way. The story was not as compelling or innovative as I wanted it to be. For me, right, as someone who obviously did not grow up in Montana, there was a lot of that, just the, you know, the setting and this town, that's why I'm asking so much about it, that was very compelling to me. You know, where I grew up in New Jersey, just very different in a sense that, like, there's your town, there's the next mm-hmm. town, they're all on top of each other, you know what I mean? Right. Like, there's, there was this um, quiet isolation that seemed to have a lot of pros and a lot of cons not a lot of cons, but there were certain cons, right? Like, um, like you said, like th- there's a pro where everyone knows each other, but there's also a negative part of that. It's hard to disappear, sure. but it's also hard to be seen. You know, like I love yeah. that. I love the the dichotomy of that. You know, you're talking about people being towns being on top of each other and this and that. I think yes, where the difference is that you know, think about those towns that were neighboring yours and then split them up by. 45 minutes to an hour in the car with nothing in between. Yeah, yeah. Like, that's common. Like, to go, you know, from one town to another, there's just land in between because it's such a big place. Like like you mentioned, I think part of that, that, again, was an undercurrent, but wasn't... I, I really like that they didn't sort of telegraph all the, all the issues, all the pressures. You know, they, they let it be kind of experiential that when you have other opportunities side by side with your even with a small town like you can sort of see what these options are but like you said with this being very isolated mickey doesn't know what all the options are right this idea of california and the coast and i know i grew up with people who were just like i need to be at the coast not you know not even necessarily having a lot of connection or knowing Mm -hmm the specific place, but just this idea of being somewhere else or somewhere larger. But then you have folks that are going to really resent that the young people want to get up and leave. And there's a real kind of push and pull. They even mention a school closing, you know, I mean, that's happening a lot of places, these small, small communities, schools have to consolidate. So schools that have been rivals for generations are now the same high school wow, kind of thing. That's cool. I mean, interesting. I'm not yeah, it just, it changes it. So like, you know, where your grandparents might have had a strong rivalry now, there's less of that individual small town pride. But then on the other hand, small towns that are kind of remaining are going to like, you know, kind of batten down the hatches and be like, no, we are staying. We are Anaconda proud, blah, blah, blah. So that distance and the isolation, I think, play a big part. And the other thing really quickly is something you already mentioned, but the sense of uh, people knowing other people's, you know, older relatives and stuff and uh, that sense of community is something I definitely didn't grow up with at all. My hometown was a very new town in a sense that the population from when I moved there to like I graduated high school, I think quadrupled. A lot of new people, a lot of development, not a lot of old families that had been there. And just even my own history, my whole family lived in New York. Uh, We moved to New Jersey. And then even before that, 
Um, you know, my whole family is immigrants, so not a lot, even a lot of history in the United States right. in that respect, too. So yeah. I also love seeing that, seeing that aspect of it as well. Look, I live in the United States. I'm not like, this isn't like watching, um, you know, a movie from an, another country in that respect, you know, so there was a lot of similarities. Oh, but a in different that way, experience. But, but yeah, definitely, absolutely. definitely a different experience. So I, I appreciated seeing that. Yeah, we're, we're talking about a town of 9,000 people. So my town, uh, 5,000, 6,000 people, but that's not a real number because like I said, all the towns are on top of each other. Right. I, come, I come from a county of a million people, of all suburbs, right? So just think right. of that, like a lot of little towns all together. So very, very different. I want to talk the story, but let's uh, talk some production notes because I think they're super interesting. The director, were you familiar with her? Annabelle Atanasio? I'm not, no. So I was not either, but she is, I guess, more known for her acting. Okay. She's done a bunch of stuff, but I think most notably she was on a couple seasons of that CBS show called Bull. Are you familiar with it? I've seen commercials I, for it. I've never seen it. Yeah, I know it exists. I know it has been canceled, and there's a potentially problematic uh, lead actor in it. That's all I know. Yeah, yeah. Michael Weatherly is the lead. Again, I've seen commercials, but whatever. Uh, she's she's uh, from that. She's she's done a bunch of stuff. She actually, I think, was in the first two seasons, and took off or or left the show to make this movie. She's from Los Angeles, and I bring it up because. You know, she's not from Montana. She's from Los right. Angeles. She was at she was in NYU at the time in film okay. school while she was doing the bull thing. Um, got a grant essentially to. I'm oversimplifying. So if you're sure. a, a filmmaker or in film school, I know it's not this easy as I'm saying it, but she got a grant to make a film, um, and she chose to have this film take place in Montana. She found this is you know her where she found this town of Anaconda. Lived there for a couple months, wrote the script, wrote it around a lot of the townspeople she met and encountered, got the funding, and shot the movie. So, hmm. I mean, that's kind of the origin story. But I thought it was interesting that usually when you see stories like this, the filmmaker has a connection to the area right? more than this. And she didn't in a sense. But she did incorporate a, like a lot of the crew members. I think one of the assistant directors is, is from Missoula. A lot of the crew, a lot of the background actors, like she tried to incorporate as many local people as possible. But it is interesting, like I said, that she is not from yeah. Montana. It, it is interesting. And I, I think, I don't know, I guess that sort of hearing that makes me, then to me, it makes a little more sense to me that I was not nearly as compelled by the actual story of the film. Mm. Because... That story, we can talk about, you know, if we're talking about, um, you know, opioid addiction or talking about navigating the VA, various things, right? Her, her dad is, is a veteran and a person who's experiencing chronic pain. And as the synopsis told us, addiction, like that's absolutely that is happening in small towns everywhere and big towns. I mean, that's, you know, it's, but I'm thinking about the isolation piece with the small towns, but but that is not an that is not a uniquely Anaconda story, mm. um, or a uniquely Montana story. Not that it has to be to be take place there, because there is that universality to it. But what I was missing was kind of the Montana magic, if you will. Ooh. And so that makes more sense. So this is someone who 
ob was observed, um, who likely had like nuggets of a story and looked for a place that it could take place. Yes, these things all fit. And yet, yeah, now that you say that, I'm like, okay, I think that helps me feel better about my opinion. That's awesome to know. Yeah, it's it, And just like kind of to piggyback on that, uh, the reason I read that she chose Montana, not necessarily Anaconda, but that she zeroed yeah. into Montana to do the writing was um, apparently Montana has a, um, oh, per capita, one of the highest uh, veteran states. So sure. I suppose she read that, went there, did her thing. I just want to note too, she's, I think uh, when she directed the film, she was like 25, 26 as well. So nice work. Closer. Yeah. Great to see. And closer to Mickey's age than her father's, which is right. interesting. And, you know, kind of cool because we don't usually see that with teen films. Like, I thought that she was a teenager, but only a couple, you know, only like six or seven years removed. So uh, pretty right. cool to see. Regarding uh, the film, it debuted at South by Southwest in 2019. And that's kind of where it got a bunch of buzz. Camillo Marone is our lead here, uh, Mickey, in the title role. Were you familiar with her at all? A little bit, right? Because she was a character in a previous AP episode of Valley Girl, the 2020 version of Valley Girl, right? But this is certainly, I mean, not only a very different piece, but like she carries this movie. This is This movie is all her face. You know, everything I've seen her in um, Never Going Back, which we covered on here way back when with the Godfather, Joey Lewandowski covered on high, regular high school slumber party. As you mentioned in Valley Girl opposite Alicia Silverstone, which it, it's not a lot in that film, but it's really good. And in this, everything I've seen her in has been awesome. I think a lot of people on the and could be very toxic uh, Twitterverse and such, know, know her from being Leonardo DiCaprio's girlfriend since she was 19. Oh, I didn't know that. I didn't know that was her, because I'd heard that he likes to date younger ladies. Yeah, that's a, that's been a joke for a long time, right? Yeah, and I know he had a regular girlfriend who everyone was like, oh, he dates this model, but one, she's so much more than that, because she was really good. Not that, I'm not just mentioning models, but she's great. Really good in this, yeah. I get it, and... I'm not going to comment on how I feel about it, but if you're diminishing her as just Leonardo DiCaprio's young girlfriend, please don't do that. Watch her films. I hope you did your homework and watch today because like I said, she is really, really good. And this is also somebody who, as Hollywood as Hollywood gets, not just dating Leo, but she considers Al Pacino her stepfather as she grew up with him. Oh. From a deep, deeply entrenched Hollywood family, not someone from this Montana area or even like no. one of these indie discoveries. I remember on a Never Early, Sometimes Always, that director just kind of picked that actor out essentially from a crowd and said, I think you'd be good at this. And we see that in a lot, a lot of indie films. This is not that. And yet I again thought she was awesome in this. So just want to oh, yeah, give her props. She was so impressive. Yeah, no, I, I, I agree. And I didn't, I didn't know... I'm glad I didn't know some of that other background. <laughs> yeah, I thought she I thought she did a great job in this role. It, it just makes me think too, like there's there's no absolutes in anything, right? Like there's no we shouldn't prejudge no matter what when it comes to like well, I can't say no matter what, because there are certain things that we can prejudge with. But in terms of like casting, I don't mm -hmm. think I don't think that there's no, there's one way to do things or there's one better way, clearly, because 
I would have probably been prejudiced, like, if you say, oh, pick the random actor we don't know for this movie, or pick, like, the entrenched Hollywood persona for this mm-hmm. film, who do I think would do better? Sure. Yeah, but we also, we're not, we don't know necessarily the process either. Exactly. You know what I mean? No, so... and, and that's exactly that. Like, and I'll never probably know the deep processes of what an actor is doing to prepare for an indie film, and shame on me for prejudging, even though. <laughs> Were you familiar with uh, the bear, if you will, her father, James, the actor who plays him, James Badge Dale? He did look familiar to me. And so I, I did a little IMDb while I was watching the movie. And nothing in particular jumped out other than, like, I'm sure I've seen him before. I also thought he was great, you know, playing a difficult character and showing again, based on my interpretation of kind of what's going on, because not a lot is told to us, a lot is shown to us, which, you know, is good um, in general. But, you know, he had a lot of kind of highs and lows. And certainly, um, I mean, we could potentially assume that the character was drinking throughout every time we saw him, we don't know. But, you know, there's certainly alcohol, we know that there's prescription pain medication, we know that there's trauma. We know there's a lot of stuff going on. And I, I thought he was able to convey a lot of those things really nicely. I was surprised at his age as well. He's, was, uh, like, he's like 42 or yeah. 43. Yeah. yeah. And he's, he's, uh, he's been in a ton of stuff. He was in uh, the Pacific, that uh, sequel series to Band of Brothers. Maybe people familiar with him from that. He was in The Parted, um, The Grey an Iron Man film, you know? Like, I'm, I'm sure through your travels of cinema, a bunch of CSI appearances. Right. Yeah, I also really thought his performance was great. There's so much room in performances of alcoholism or PTSD to go in directions that can be caricatures of it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't think he crossed there. I thought he was really good at that. It was. It felt really realistic. Anyone else stick out at you? Obviously, it's not too terribly known of a cast. Anyone else you were familiar with? Oh, familiar with? No, no. I didn't recognize um, anyone else, but I thought uh, the doctor from the VA that we see a few different times in a few different circumstances, I thought she did a great job. I mean, it's also a tough role, and I mean that for the film, but also in the world. Mm. Think about being a doctor in a VA clinic in like ostensibly the middle of nowhere. And there's a very poignant moment toward the end when Mickey asks, is her dad going to get better? And she says, no, this is it. Like, woof, that is heavy. Yeah. And the way that she delivered it, I felt like invited the viewer to then reflect and think, oh, wow, she sees this day in day out like you could say oh like she's cynical or she's not giving him a chance or this or that but like she's in this world and she sees what's going on she knows how broken the system is and she's just spe- like speaking from experience and as much as that's heartbreaking to mickey that's also heartbreaking to her i don't know i thought she did an outstanding job in that role where in any given scene She's sort of adversarial in different ways to like our main characters, but then is also a constant in a world where neither of these characters have very much this constant. 
Yeah, she's played by uh, someone named Rebecca Henderson. I, I agree with everything you say. She did an amazing job. It was such an interesting character. I was also fascinated by the fact, again, going back to the small town thing, like, you know, where I live, New York City, if you see a therapist theoretically, you're mm-hmm. likely not going to run into them at your local right. bar and stuff like right. that. Or in a town like this, she knows everyone too. You go mm-hmm. grocery shopping, you might see her, you know? So, Right. They know what she does. They know, you know, like if, if she recognizes someone, you know why she knows them. I mean, yeah, it's, there's no anonymity. No. And that, that was so fascinating to me. And that like, on, for both the patient, if you will, or I don't know how it was referred to. Patient, in these client. Yeah. Yeah. Client. And the professional here mm-hmm. th- it presents its challenges. So I, I found that so fascinating about the character. Um, two other names I wanted to mention in terms of characters, I guess like the two, I guess, love interests. Calvin Demba played Wyatt and Ben Rosenfeld or Rosenfield played Aaron Church. Aaron was more of that, her first boyfriend and Wyatt was... Her local boyfriend. <laughs> <laughs> ben slash Aaron, he's been in a ton of stuff. He's mm-hmm. a bit older, um... 29 because he's been playing like i i remember he was in boardwalk empire but he was also what movie did i watch him in that i was like oh this guy he wasn't a teenager in that but he is again here whatever (laughs) (laughs) yeah but small cast and a lot of again a lot of people they used for the ancillary roles were local people um so that was pretty cool but island you've already expressed not everything in the story you enjoyed so Let's talk about it. What were some moments you yeah. did like and what were some moments you did not? Well, I, I really want to know, what rubbed you the wrong way here? Yeah, not not even enjoyed, but I guess I'm interested. So just being in the world, I'm aware of opioid pandemic as it relates to small town. I'm I'm aware of it as it relates to Montana, being a person with chronic pain who was living in Montana for a while during my chronic pain and and attempting to get you know, medication to help me get through my day. So, you know, there, there are aspects that I'm familiar with, the bigger picture pieces that were at play here. But when it ended, I was kind of left with like, okay, but what did I learn? Or like, what insight into these things did I gain from this that I didn't get from something else kind of thing, you know? I, I did in my mind compare it a lot to never really sometimes often where that I feel like really kind of peeled back a layer to show us the difficulty that, you know, someone from a, a small community who was given misinformation, what all they had to do to get medical care. In this one, there was nothing that I didn't already know from reading the first three paragraphs of like, a journalistic representation of, you know, single parent families in rural areas and opioid addiction in rural areas. And you know what I'm trying to say? Like I, it didn't leave me with, yeah, the insight, the, the magic of this, of, of this story that where my brain dances back and forth between the universality and the unique story. I didn't have that like, back and forth reverberation because it was just a story that if I had guessed what it was about based on the poster, I would have been right. 
So I guess predictable is a word I want to use. And I, but I don't mean that to, I don't want to um, be flippant about these important, these are all important topics. I just didn't, didn't get anything new from it that was unique to this version of it. That was a long answer. I'm sorry. Can you help me um, from your perspective? What, what parts of that do you agree with and what parts do you disagree with? <laughs> I like long answers. This is AP, so <laughs> don't worry. Definitely, that was an essay. Sorry, folks. <laughs> that's, uh, that's very interesting. Um, I guess I don't disagree with you. I just, I guess the positives, and, you know, we're using positives in a different way here. Not that I was happy watching things, but um, I guess the positives I took from it were more the performances. But you're right. Compared to Never Rarely, Sometimes, Always, I wasn't like on the edge of my seat necessarily. It was more like I, I actually enjoy movies where teens kind of have to grow up a little bit faster than they really should out of necessity right right and that's very true here right we see her from the beginning she is making sure this household functions whether that's picking her dad up from hospital jail wherever bringing dinner getting his prescriptions managing his care like she's doing a lot of things a teenager shouldn't have to do hundred percent yeah and like i i say enjoy that like it's a i don't enjoy that it is happening but i am compelled by those kind of stories because i sort of felt like the opposite teenager like you know i i think I, it took me a while to grow up if i'm even growing up now <laughs> um <laughs> i think uh, i was super dependent on people and i can't even imagine if i as a teenager were thrusted into a role like this, how I would have been and reacted and, you know, would I have risen to the occasion because I had to, or would I have just right. crumbled? I don't know. So I am fascinated by that. I know we're doing more of like an overall thing right now rather than the scenes, but I was less compelled with the dudes here. Oh yeah. Like not that I didn't need them. I, I you know, I, I liked seeing a kind of her school chums, if you will, but the arrival of like a dreamy British guy seemed a little bit like yes interesting suspect <laughs> yes suspect. and I I did I had that back and forth but he, and here's again where like I do think there's there is is something missing when for someone who is more familiar with that area of the world I can see what's like not authentic I feel like. That being said, there was a gorgeous Australian guy <laughs> that was an exchange student at my high school for one year. And he did have a presence about him that was different, right, than everybody else because we we're all from Montana. And so, like, yes, the random handsome British guy on the one hand is like, what? Why are you an anaconda? <laughs> but when we think about, you know, stories we've heard of study abroad kind of things. And, and depending on where you are in the world, like United States is one place, right? So yeah. it is conceivable that someone could have come over. We then find out his mother is from Butte. He has family here. He seems to be kind of escaping his own circumstances. So I want, I wanted to call out like handsome British guy. And yet I do think random Montana high schools have for a semester or so random handsome 
on guys. Like that's not, that's not that out of the blue. I was so worried that what was going to happen was that the local guys were going to find out that the British guy and Mickey were together and there would be violence that way. I was worried for so oh, long. Oh yeah. I thought and that was going to happen as well. That was not. I mean, we had, we had physical violence in the film, but like, it wasn't that. So again, I just, what the story, I don't know if I had all the elements I've got Anaconda, I've got amazing performances. I've got addiction. I've got, you know, difficult family history. I've got this and that, like, I would hope like what I came up with would be something more than what all these parts added up to in this case. And it breaks my heart to say that. But it makes sense, especially, again, you knowing Montana way more, I mean, 100% more than I do. Like, okay, so Montana side, right? Like, I don't know Mm -hmm. anyone particularly close to me with PTSD. I don't know anyone who's particularly close to me, like a father or anything like that, or even, even on the second level of closeness, who is struggling with an opioid addiction, right? Mm-hmm. Like, to me, the performance was good and it seemed real enough. But I think we've talked about this on previous episodes. I'm always weary of saying, oh, he did a great job portraying that when I sure. didn't experience it myself. When there's a diagnosis, yeah. I think, again, we keep comparing it to a movie we both I thought know. was great, uh, never, sometimes, always. But in that film, that felt specific and... This, story-wise, you're right, there was a lot of broad strokes happening. Um, Again, with amazing performances. Yeah, not with performances, not with setting, like the setting itself, not necessarily the use of it, but the setting itself. mm -hmm. Not in that respect, but yeah, you're right. And The thing is, I didn't mind it, it seems like, as much as you did, because what was interesting to me in the film wasn't necessarily the message or even the realness of what was going on. I was really like all in for Mickey. Right. Uh, And that particular performance by the actor, but also just that struggle to escape the dreaming of, like you said, of the coast coupled with the fact that realistically she probably can't get out of there. She could abandon her father, but will she, I don't know. And like, I was also torn of like, do I want her to do that? Well, and the other part that I thought was, okay, well, she's turned 18 in this movie, so no one is going to come and help, right? I mean, I arguably someone should have stepped in earlier when she was functioning as the like leader of the household as a minor. Mm-hmm. She's an adult now, and you know the the systems that are in place are already stretched too thin. Like, no one is coming to help anymore. Yes, I would love for her to get away. And I don't even mean San Diego, right? Could she get to one of the state schools? Could she get to somewhere, even Butte nearby, and get a job and do something else to not be everything to her father, which is what, by the end of the movie, we, you know, we find out depending on where he is in in his mind or out of his mind, she is everything to him. Um, Speaking of the substances involved, I can't decide if something was clever or sloppy 
And so I want to ask you your thoughts. Earlier in the film, there's a, a time when Mickey comes home and the water's running in the kitchen, which she notices and then knows something's wrong, which I thought was a great device because I also, when you see like water running unattended, mm. I feel like that is a signal of like, oh shit, what's happening? She finds her dad in in the bathroom and he's incapacitated in some way and she cares for him and calms him down and things. Was that alcohol? Was that lack of pain medication? Was that too much pain medication? Was that PTSD? Was that a combination? Like, I didn't know what had happened, but based on the performances, I knew it had happened many times, right? There was a routine there. And so I don't know, is it clever that it doesn't really matter what the circumstances were? This is what, this is a pattern for them? Or was it sloppy? Because I couldn't tell if like, for a second I thought, did he go out and find heroin? Because he's out of the boxy. Like, that's what mm. I thought, you know, because they are like chemically very similar, right? That's part of the issue, right? And why it's, so yeah, what are, what are your thoughts there? How did you react to that? Because this is a world that is largely unfamiliar to me. It's that broad stroke thing. Like I didn't know when it really, until you brought it up, I was like, now that you bring it up, I'm like, oh yeah, that's a really good point. I didn't think about it too much because it was just like, oh, this is just what he goes through. I don't know what right. the process is. And again, I've never had someone go through that. So I don't know if that's some kind of reaction because this is, you you mentioned a lot of things and that I did. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, but that no no. I mean, in terms of like what he could have been taking and what he could have been feeling, and that's what also makes us the situation so specific. It's not a rare situation. Like you know, these are things that are often paired together. But I think if either you work with people like this or you've kind of been there with someone who it could be the PTSD. It could it could be a combination of these things. Right. Um, it could be the withdrawal. I'm not sure. It's a it's a really, really good question, though. I also had a question about, is he, because the, the Amazon says opioid addiction, and I'm not questioning that, but I do wonder. I, I felt like he was, he was opioid de- dependent because, yeah, versus addicted. Yeah, so before you read that, yeah. I didn't even take the opioids as being a problem because they were prescribed to him. Well, not, not, sorry, not the largest part of the problem, I should say. Right. Sure. I thought the alcohol, alcoholism was worse. He had easy access to that. They seem to control the, I forgot what exact, did they say what the medication? They just said oxy. They seem to control the oxy uh, pretty, you know. Oh, they do. Yeah. So I'm not saying he, couldn't you know get more than his prescription of it or abuse it obviously he could but to me mostly in the film what would trigger him was alcohol and then the ptsd Mm. memories of course but then also we see a lot of the withdrawal as well so right there's that but i don't know yeah it's interesting i think that um the part where the aaron the boyfriend like opened the pill bottle and took the rest of them Again, as someone who was prescribed this medication in the era of the like, opioid crisis, that gave me the, the white hot rage, but also is so true. Do you know how many stories of people I, like, I know in the world 
who a friend of theirs randomly came over and emptied their medicine cabinet and they didn't realize till later. Or, you know, I, I am aware of stories of people that I am familiar with who are related to someone who has stolen a prescription pad. Like these mm. things are so common. But I wondered if that would if that would like stand out to people as shocking because it was, but it was also just one of those. I mean, the again, this actress who played Mickey was so amazing at multiple times in the film, being really upset. Like the person in front of her that is supposed to care about her in some way, has done a thing that completely impacts her and impacts her life and like fuck shit up for her. And she cannot scream and yell and she cannot get upset with them or she can't do this. And like, she's so restricted by all these other things and that are going on and all the roles that she's taken on. Like you say that you shouldn't have to at that age that she can't, like, she just has to solve the problem. Like, and it's particularly like all these dudes, like fucking shit up for her. (laughs) And she just has to find ways to solve the problem. And some of those ways are, within the rules. Some of them are not. Some of them are about caring for the people. Some of them are about her getting out. I mean, it sort of changes moment to moment, but, but I could see on her face so many times of just like someone does something again, this random dude does something. And she's like, what I felt she was portraying is you have no idea what you've just cost me, but you've cost me so much. Dumbass. Yeah. And that's, again, that's some of the stuff I loved about uh, the performance there and the things I really enjoyed about the movie overall just seeing like that like ugh, aaron fucking aaron i i i hated this guy i mean yeah i, don't, no, I hope no one worst. watches and be like that guy's cool i hope no not. he's the worst <laughs> i mean they're all the worst but he's yeah no he's, he's pretty oh bad. boy just from <sighs> him stealing the prescription stuff and just mm-hmm. the way he treats her and even like his friends i don't like you know that click my gosh that poor that poor young woman who's pregnant and Gonna get kicked out of church. Oh, yeah. So I liked her. Like, <laughs> I like that dynamic where, you know, yeah, like the whole church thing and she's pregnant. Right. And I thought that was cool. I like they're just like, seemed like a real best friend, you know, in that kind of yeah. respect. Not like the best best friend, but, you know. Well, like the the hanging out part. Yes. You know, the yes. times you see them just hanging out. Like, yeah, there's, again, <laughs> the performances are outstanding. And have I seen a movie where the last shot is a young woman running away toward the camera i have seen it a few times i bet if we went to what was this south by southwest but if we went to south by southwest uh whatever this year was we'd probably catch a lot of them that finished this way it is such a big indie trope but it's also the ambiguity is as well yeah the slice of life i mean it's all right there and i think that's again part of it that it lacks what have what insight have i gained what unique moment will i remember where is the montana magic <laughs> i love that the montana magic a couple other things in my notes i want to ask about yeah. you, re- you already mentioned the taxidermy thing um that's her job that is so far removed from my lifestyle that i didn't know what it was at the beginning I'm oh like, okay is she like making models of animals like i just i was like oh that's what that is okay so thought that was fun Fly into Missoula, Montana, my friend, because the airport is full of taxidermy. <laughs> I'm not kidding you. And in fact, in Cowsville, Montana, smaller airport, they also have a few 
they had like a couple of mountain lions up near the ceiling and they had masks on them oh over my the summer goodness. when I was there. It was so cute. <laughs> Some of the only people wearing masks. <laughs> but yeah, so um, not only for like displays and like museums and schools and airports and that, but also when there's like a big hunting culture. So when folks go hunting and what they kill um, is particularly, I don't know. Uh, I don't know that I can't, I can't speak to the motivation as a lifelong vegetarian, but like you can pay to have it taxidermied. And so people like mount heads on the wall and stuff. Yeah. I mean, look in Brooklyn, you go to a bar, taxidermy stuff, very popular. Oh, sure. There you go. But okay. no one asks where it came from and how they made it. <laughs> you know, it's just, it's just there. Uh, <laughs> yeah. You know, that, that's super cool. As someone who's never gone hunting or to be honest with you, fired a gun. It's a very different world. Sure, absolutely. So different, different after school job. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So exactly. So to see that, like a, a young person doing it as well, super cool, because it's different, not because I absolutely. would particularly. And, well, and it's it. a skill, but it, it reminded me a little bit of Drop Dead Gorgeous. Oh yeah. And how Kristen Dunst's character is puts makeup on bodies at a mortuary. <laughs> Oh, great movie. Um, okay, so the British dude, what's his name again? I mean, Wyatt, but I don't know. Wyatt, yes, yeah, Wyatt. We already talked about this, but it's very clear what his romance represents. It's kind of like a you know, potential ticket to the outside. Also, also, not, not is he this just dreamy British super athlete. He's also a super talented musician as well. <laughs> again, not that that can't happen, but... Right. It just drops in and sort of is like, oh, you know, kind of a little taste of the outside world. I feel like to Mickey, though, everyone she meets is from that that town or, or surrounding areas that even someone from Texas or California or, sure. you know, would have been a change, uh, would Absolutely. have been someone who was interesting. Um, so, but they really, really leaned into this. He takes a liking to her. Do they give a reason of why? Or do think, I don't know, maybe just a natural we attraction. Don't... Yeah, we don't really know until, like, I feel, my recollection is the first time that we're really aware of him as a presence is during the school photos. And then later in the film, we see them sitting next to each other in class. So arguably there could have been a scene with them in class earlier. But yeah, like you're saying, he just, he represents the rest of the world. And when she has that fight with Aaron, then I didn't realize they had broken up in the film, but who knows? They, they have. I guess I, I was, it was eased my mind a little bit that there wasn't going to be like a fight between the, um, you know, local hooligans and, <laughs> and him. But then again, there is a fight between, you know, Hank and Wyatt, or at least Hank, you know, punches Wyatt. Um, yeah. So I, that's why I bring it up because like quite literally or no, I shouldn't say literally, the symbol, if you will, of the outside world, she becomes connected to, you know, they start dating, they go off on like little nature adventures, cool stuff. And then when the father finds out and invites him on that hunting trip, that was like high anxiety scene because you know oh something's going to happen. Like that's one of the highest anxiety scenes of the film to me. And it ends up going very poorly. Which it always was going to. That was the point, right? He was trying to manipulate the situation. He's trying to put Wyatt 
ill at ease. He's trying to demonstrate, you know, his supremacy in, in the world, but in Mickey's world. And like, she knew it was going to go terrible, but that was, again, that's one of those times where she can't do anything, right? Like she's stuck. Yeah. And quite literally her father has r- ruined a potential ticket out of there. And 100%. what does he say? Like when he's just basically like, I can't do this essentially. Uh, it's something Wyatt? along those lines. Yeah. Wyatt says something to her. And well, he's her. like, I have parents like this. Like he's already yeah. gotten out of that situation. Like that's why he's here. So he's not going to do it again. And I honestly, I'm so sorry for Mickey in this case, but I respect that. Right. That's a mature yeah. thing to say, Ooh, these issues are hitting close to home because I've already done my part here. Well, you know what I mean? Like I've, I've processed my experiences. I cannot go down this road with you, which is heartbreaking, but good for Wyatt. Yeah. I thought that was the best part, the best part of his character because, you know, previous to this, I mean, look, he's great, but he's also like, again, there was times I just felt that he was just, And a more naive character or a more childlike character would think their presence would be helpful or that they could save her in Mm -hmm. quotes or what have you. But like he he knows these issues to some extent um, or similar that he's like, nope, I got I can't I'm not going to do this dance. And I really think, too, that that is hard to pull off and not look selfish on film. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. And I think he did it because I yeah. didn't feel like he was being selfish. I think I think he was being smart, <laughs> you know. Yeah. Yeah. Just wanted to bring that up. We'll talk about the ending, but you said there was a place that you weren't allowed to go in the oh, film. Yeah. So um, the scene with Mickey and Wyatt when they're swimming. Ah, yes. Is um, on a river. It's on the Blackfoot River, and it's a a place called John's Rude, and it is like a notorious camping i'm using quotes and like <laughs> party place oh i'm from bonner which is outside of missoula the blackfoot river kind of curves around and at my elementary school there would be you know one bus that would go up the blackfoot meaning up blackfoot river where some people lived but it was a little bit more remote or even more remote than where we were and so john's Rude is up the blackfoot and is that it's a spot where people camp and and you know build a fire and drink beer and do whatever else and swim and I was never allowed to go there I was never allowed to be part of a social gathering that happened to take place there um because uh John's root is trouble according to my mother wow that's good to know I mean uh, probably not useful in my life but I mean if someone invites you up there I you got that you have to ask your mom if you're allowed. <laughs> That's cool. So seeing Trouble. that seeing that must have been fun, especially like in a teen it film, was. if you will. <laughs> it was fun. And it was pretty, you know, tame compared to certainly what I think my mom was afraid of. Although me swimming in my underwear with a boy in high school probably would have been a problem for her. <laughs> so um, so we, we all dodged um, groundings there. <laughs> <laughs> That's interesting, too, that like, in a place like Anaconda here and maybe Montana as a whole, I'm not sure. Of course, depends on parents and how much you want to listen to them. But it's easier to get away with like just you and another person than it is in like a city or even like a suburban place. Now, so that's the ironic thing, right? Like in the small town, everyone knows everything that's happening. Sure. But you could also find these moments of 
just you and another person or There's even a yourself. lot that's off the grid yeah yeah i think that's pretty cool and just again different from what i grew up with and right. what i usually see or what we usually see when we watch yeah. uh, well and, and not to switch it to be a bummer but i am the fun sucker <laughs> i would say if we go back to some of the issues that we know hank is dealing with you know ptsd opioid things his wife passed away his child is you know growing up those kind of things Suicide is a, is a big issue in Montana, in part because of the demographics. Like you're saying, there are, um, you know, more veterans in Montana than in the general population other places. We know that uh, completing suicide is, is so much more common with men. So you kind of add those things together and that isolation is a huge issue. And so there is, I mean, interesting is not the right word, but, um, of course, there are billboards across Montana about meth, because that is and was a big problem. But in the last few years, when I go home and visit, I see a transition from meth to suicide, honestly, mm. as an issue that as a state, and then you can see some that are particular to different kind of populations within the state, but like we've identified that like, this is a real problem. This is a place where there's a lot of firearms and easy access to firearms, where it is not uncommon to be able to isolate yourself or be isolated. And then adding some of those demographic pieces that it's, um, so I don't know. And not that I want this movie to be about that, but I'm, again, I'm just thinking about what would be unique, what would be interesting, what would be true to my understanding. And I'm not an expert on Anaconda or these issues, but, I was just, I was wanting that something that made this movie special that I could point to. And I just, there's nothing other than that it was filmed in Montana, but like that's happened before it'll happen again. So I'm getting off my soapbox now. I, I think this director did something that's ambitious to just step out of her own comfort zone and pick a place she wasn't familiar with and make a movie set there mm -hmm. and i think there's pros and cons with that you know i don't want to discourage someone from doing that but i could imagine someone that there is a segment of the population right or wrong that would mm -hmm. probably say don't do that right like sure. leave it to someone who knows the area there, yeah there are more stories to tell how about that yeah and again i don't know the right answer or wrong answer to that because I, I never also want to limit someone and the fact that this is a storyteller as you know you guys in the contenders talk about a lot you know we don't get enough stories told by women young women you Absolutely. know what i mean so mm -hmm. that's super cool to see so i don't want to discourage no agreed. Either. agreed but there is yeah like especially coming from you it's funny because if there was another random high school slumber party ap host you would have been the perfect guest right like if we were going to book somebody <laughs> because you, you have you have the inside montana info <laughs> so yeah i think you're providing a perspective that certainly i don't have and i think I'll, most people don't have and but it's a great perspective and it's, it's super uh insightful well ne next time we'll have to do a new jersey movie uh we don't need to <laughs> I, I haven't i keep hearing about the um documentary about action park oh class action park class action park um i haven't i haven't watched it but i don't i don't know that's quintessentially new jersey right yeah i mean i didn't go there it was uh a little too young for that but we heard stories as kids scary place 
Definitely okay. check it out. It's a great documentary. <laughs> okay, yeah, I did want to talk about the ending. Um, okay. Throughout the film, she wants to go to school in San Diego. I think I think it says at one point, like, marine biology or something along those lines. Or I'm like, Again, not uncommon for young people in Montana to declare <laughs> that as something they're interested in. <laughs> I was just going to say, very, seem, th- that seems to check out. She does an Island Addington favorite, and she's pretty much at the end of her senior year and decides to apply to college. And the whole college process seems to take a couple weeks. <laughs> yes, in the this, in this spring of her senior year. <laughs> um, but she ends up getting in and partial scholarship. Her father has said, and we didn't mention this because it is a later question, but mm-hmm. mother has passed away. Right. So her father... Cancer. Yes, of cancer. And her father has uh, said he saved some money for her. She finally makes a decision, kind of, fuck it. I got into San Diego. I have this partial scholarship. But also, I was thinking of you because it's San Diego City College. Yes. And so I thought of you. It's not Stanford. It's not Harvard. It's not, you know, like. I was happy with that. I was happy with that. (laughs) Sorry to interrupt. (laughs) She finally decides I'm going to go. Not just that. No, I'm glad you brought that up because. uh, Montana, University of Montana gets some shine in this it as does, well. Yeah. Uh, what's the, um, what's her name goes there? The Leslie. And she comments that she. Oh, oh, yes. The doctor. The doctor. She comments mm-hmm. that that was her alma mater. Went to um, U of M. Yeah. Yeah. She, she wasn't like, I went to Harvard, which is also, you know, it's nice right? to see. There are other great schools in this country besides Harvard, Yale, Princeton, Stanford. Have to put the PSA out there. Um, <laughs> yeah, so she so she decides she's uh, going to go. She says, fuck it. She goes to the bank because she's turned 18 and she's officially, you know, has access to the joint account and it's pretty much empty. Her of father's taking is. the money, which, ugh. Or was there ever any social security money? Like, that's the other question. Because she, at one point, says you lied, you're a phony. And so I felt like we didn't know for sure. Was there a large sum of money in there ever? And and he blew it, or hmm. there was never that much. And he, but clearly he had taken it either way. Yeah, I'm not sure, but I I have to imagine at one. Yeah, I don't know. I actually don't know. That's a good question. Regardless, the money's not there. It makes her super upset as well. But also, kind of traps her a little bit. We get this moment. At the and I wanted your interpretation of it. Like at the like this the moment at the end with. Her father. Everyone basically says in this film, not just her dad, but like people who knew her mother, that she looks just like her mom. What'd you make of that ending kind of struggle with her dad? Because I've read different things online. Like some, uh, so mm. curious of your thoughts. Is he he's drunk here or something else? I think both. I, both? I okay. think he's taken, I think he has mixed his medications with alcohol. She had picked him up that day or found him you know at the hospital it looks like he was in a fight but we don't see it or he was in a car accident we don't see it does it matter yeah he's in a he's beat up yeah he's messed up he puts on his uniform and we know that like timeline is a little bit funny here but someone asked if he's going to walk in the parade i was this i didn't was that a memorial day parade because we're in i guess we're in spring because it's not 4th of July yet. Like, I, you know, it's hard to tell because we're in school. It's not but Veterans so, Day. No, um, I bet it's Memorial Day. But so he has his uniform on. There were moments earlier where he, for like a second, he would think she was the mom, right? Like he, he called her Vanessa once earlier in it, mm-hmm. I feel like. 
Um, but in this case, he's like completely out of his mind and in his state thinks that his daughter is his wife. So in what you read online, I guess in my head, I thought this has happened before, but this is, this seemed like an escalation of what had happened before. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I definitely agree with that. Or did people online think that there was like an incestuous relationship? I didn't see that like it had previously been incestuous, but there were some mm-hmm. reviews online. I mean, let me say real quick, cause she turns 18 in the movie. I don't think incestuous is the right word. And I, I don't, well, I don't know. I need, without looking it up, but anything of course that had happened prior to what we see on screen would not have been consensual. Okay. Okay. Fair. Yeah. So I, again, and then not that, and I, I guess right now I just in this moment don't know if that word assumes consent or not, but an inappropriate physical relationship, he's trying to initiate like an intimate moment with her that would be wildly inappropriate because she is his child. Yeah. And I didn't take it as well. Like I took it that, and I think you agree with me that he's clearly not in the right state here. That doesn't make it right, obviously. But right. I didn't see anyone online who took it that this it was consensual in any okay. way whatsoever, right? But I think there are degrees of levels of if uh, sexual assault took place. Right. Or what we see is what we get. Like, it almost does. Right, because it sort of blacks yeah. out to the morning or early morning, and we see her leave his room. That being said, in the previous times when she's taking care of him, we do see them in that room together. Yeah. So I I took it as close call, but this was Yeah. I took it as scary. she put like she put him to bed so he could pass out and that's it. Yeah, but then there's the question, like, you know, why did the director leave it so ambiguous? You know, I, I don't because know. Because they left a lot of things ambiguous. <laughs> and again, some of that I think is um, a nice way to tell this very complex story. And other times when you add up all the things that I you know, don't really think worked, then we get to a place where I think there is so much of that. But then for me, it becomes sloppy. Mm, makes sense. So what do you think overall the ending? You already mentioned kind of ambiguously running away or... I mean, yeah, she's not... We know she doesn't have the money she thinks she has or she thought she would have. I mean, I guess my hope is that she, maybe maybe she goes to Missoula. Maybe she is able to take some classes at U of M and, and something. I, I don't know. Unfortunately, I do not think she was going very far. No, it doesn't seem like it, it would. I guess her one lifeline, if you will, would have been the doctor. Um, she mm-hmm. basically you know, took a liking to her, kind of wanted to help her. I feel like she mentions... Uh, University of Montana because she does have connections there. Mm-hmm. Maybe she could start taking classes. And like but... that could, yeah, that could be a feasible thing within state. Yeah, absolutely. And I don't know anything about San Diego City College, so I don't know like how they dole out scholarships or whatever. You know, maybe that doctor could have all, like, it, I don't think she was going to leave to San Diego. It was very clear, no. but I guess there was perhaps a way that eventually she could transfer there. But also, f- from what you've kind of indicated to me tonight, who knows if she would have, you know, that's kind of a pipe dream because she hadn't been there. Who knows if she would have even enjoyed right. San Diego, you know? Well, my other thought is like, woof, even if you had a scholarship, like, how, where is she going to live? Like, things are going to be so expensive beyond tuition that she's not yeah. used to because she lives in Anaconda. So, you know, sales tax is going to be shocking. 
in any case, I think, <laughs> yes, unfortunately, she was not running very far. Unfortunately, it was one of the very ambiguous things in this movie that I feel like don't help it with the request I'm making of it. Because like uh, last time, uh, maybe last time I'll, I'll mention this movie, but never really, sometimes always, that also <laughs> had an ambiguous ending, but it made me think of like, oh no, is she returning to that life? Or what is her life going to right. be? Like I was asking questions. This one, I was asking questions, but, and and overall I thought, I thought it was a good movie. I, I think I had a better feeling at the end of it, uh, it seems like, than you did. And also when you bring that level of, what's going on in that household being potential assault and and incest you bring that right at the end and then you leave it ambiguous yeah that to me is not i don't know that's like a you know look at those fireworks over there and like running away you know what i mean like it's not it's not (laughs) yeah what what are you now you're just manipulating us anyway i think that i would have liked it better if she didn't leave the house and run away. Um, I think I would have liked it better if we got more clarity on what happened that night mm-hmm. and she just stayed in the house and mm. continued Started to like, making breakfast. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like, I think I would have enjoyed that better because it, it would have been a sad ending, a depressing ending, but at least it would have been like, oh, you know, this is life now. Right. And... Was this the last straw? Because it didn't feel like it Yeah, from I... what we've been told. I just don't know. Yeah. Anyway. <laughs> so that's okay. the ending. Yeah. Anything else you want to mention about Mickey and the Bear? I mean, I think I'm good. Great performances. Okay story. All right. Awards and questions then. Okay. I'm ready. So first question. Who is this movie made for? Um, I put like the indie South by Southwest crowd, you know? Yeah. This yes. is very much that kind of movie. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Great. Um, is this based on YA? No, no, it is not. Definitely not. And then we have mentioned this a little bit, but do we have a dead teen or dead parent? Dead parent. Yes. Dead mom, as we said. Vanessa. And then there was a comment too of like, everyone gets cancer in Anaconda. The aunt says everyone gets cancer. Blah, yeah. blah, blah. Again, we're talking about the proximity to copper mines, super fun um, sites. There's a lot of environmental stuff okay, that has led to some historical or generational kind of trauma around health and that stuff. Okay, gosh. Yeah, these some of these are going to be tough. Okay. Most likely to succeed. Who won the movie? My answer was actually Wyatt. Um, okay, yeah. I, I don't really feel like it was Mickey because we don't know what she does and it, it's probably not good, unfortunately. But for Wyatt to, again, make that choice to say, like, to kind of just walk I'm not going to go on this ride, yeah. Yeah, I'm not going to go on this ride. He clearly had been through stuff and, again, seemed like an awesome musician, a great athlete, right? He's the definition of most likely to succeed. And he wasn't right. going to fall into any traps. Even though as much as he liked her, he was so focused on just succeeding, I guess. I yeah, know. absolutely. Uh, so that was my choice. Uh, how about you, Iceland? I, I would agree in part because I don't see another strong candidate. Fair enough. <laughs> um, how about the Wooderson Award? Is there a character you would like to have seen more of? For fun, I put the the friend that we talked about, Beth, the one who's oh, pregnant. Okay. I, I, yeah. I, I like those friend moments they had. Uh, seemed realistic. So you have a different choice? Just to have a different choice, I would say, um, how about the sheriff? 
uh, oh, yeah. that we meet at the beginning and then near the end, I'd like to know more about his relationship with the family. And yeah, what is this? I mean, it seems like a lot of people know that Mickey is taking on more than she should. But like, what have they done to help? That's that's awesome. I like that. Um, how about the Long Duck Dong Award? A character whose omission would make the film better. Uh, I kind of struggled with this one because there wasn't a lot of characters. Mm-hmm. Um, I can tell you who I liked the least, which is uh, whatever her Aaron, her original boyfriend. I liked him sure. the least, but I think it was I wouldn't I wouldn't necessarily delete him because you know uh, it was helpful to see the kind of support system she potentially had or didn't have. Right. Um, so I really don't have an answer for that one. Uh, did, could you think of anyone or? No, I mean, I think it's such a small, small cast or, you know, small, it's, it's such a small kind of slice of life that way um, that there wasn't anyone that stuck out to me. Okay. If you were going to recommend a classic teen movie to a character in this film, what would it be? I don't think that Mickey would like this movie necessarily, but Uh I'm going to recommend it for a very specific reason. And it is 1963's Beach Party, Frankie Avalon, Annette Finicello. Because these Beach Party movies were super popular. We did we did a bunch of them this summer on High School Slumber Party. And they were super popular in uh, places that weren't on the coast. Mm. Because at the time in the 60s, wasn't very common for people to fly to Florida or California or places like that to go to the beach. So it was kind of their escape. And hijinks ensued. And it was, again, a glorified picture of what would happen on the beach, right? So it just reminded me of her desire to uh, go to California and escape this life. Because it's it comes from a similar place, despite being a generation removed. So who knows? She might enjoy Beach Party. I don't know. But it, yeah, like I said, there's the spirits there. Interesting. I like it. That's such a great, yeah. Very interesting. Very AP answer. I like it. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> How about you, Aislinn? Mine was a little bit less um, interesting. And the original question was classic teen movie. And I, I wavered from that. But I thought if Mickey watched Lady Bird. Lady Bird is an instant classic because of its cultural impact. So I count that. Okay. So then that would work. But to see kind of the... While her, some of her circumstances are very unique, and again, we've talked a lot about like she has taken on roles that she shouldn't have had to, et cetera, et cetera. But this idea of just having a place in mind and wanting to leave and that, I feel like she might be comforted by the universality of that. I like that. That's cool. Maybe not. Also, know. no. Also, uh, Mickey might enjoy the kind of mother-daughter relationship in that, right? Yeah. So. Yeah. I mean, there, yeah, there could be insight there awesome okay it's the part that stresses me out the most (laughs) uh in my life uh it is time for report card it's time to grade this film so for reference the this movie mickey and the bear on rotten tomatoes has a 100 percent by the critic now limited critical scores there's not a lot i think there's 17 of them Okay. Um, I'm sure they all saw you know saw the film on South by Southwest, right? Like, it, right. I don't know if it got a wide release. I highly doubt it. Gotcha. Um, so yeah, it is 100, percent but take it with a grain of salt. Um, and then audience 75, percent 3.4 out of five on Letterbox. So we used a classic American high school A plus to F scale. 
where would you put Mickey and the Bear using that scale? Well, I definitely feel like my grade's higher than yours. I just, again, I, I'm weighted here by the performances, specifically the performance of the lead. As we talked it out, not a perfect film. I wish it was a little bit more specific at times. I'd like some changes, but also want to reward, like I said, a, a young woman filmmaker who, when I say young, I'm not a teenager, but someone in their 20s, oh, yeah. um, who really took a chance on this and clearly has a talent for getting great performances out of actors. Uh, so I gave it a B plus. Um, I was teetering on B, B plus, but you know what? I'm going to be positive. B plus. Uh, how about you, Aislinn? What grade will you give Mickey and the Bear? Just to be, just to stir it up a little bit, I'm going to give Mickey and the Bear a C. Right down the middle. I think that the, again, for a nerd, that's pretty low. I would be upset with a C, just to be clear. I think absolutely the performances, A plus, no question. The story itself, closer to a D for me. So I'm going to wow. align with the Rotten Tomatoes audience at 75% and give it a C. Makes sense, definitely. I guess I'm, I'm harsher in the new year. <laughs> um, okay, flipping to a little bit more fun question grading is fun grading is so much fun but not i feel bad when i grade things low so that's why i was for me it was a pivot <laughs> um we're having a sleepover it is high school slumber party ap a movie themed sleeping bag what is your sleeping bag gonna look like so for mickey and the bear there's only one answer i could use and that's some kind of taxidermied sleeping bag, like <laughs> skins of an animal somehow. I don't know what they do. I don't know how they do it, but I will sleep inside that animal pelt uh, with the head attached. Like, that's, <laughs> what, that's what I want. How about you, Isla? Heard. Any Montana magic in your sleeping bag? I mean, right, obviously, my first thought was a mountain vista scene with, like, rocks painted with an A, it was Anaconda in the movie, but Island Addington for me. Or if I was going to be more callous and flippant, a prescription bottle sleeping bag where the pillow is like the white lid, you know, but like that orange yellow. And then there could be a little label on it that said, you know, my name and stuff. I that like was my that. other because we see a lot of pill bottles. And again, as a person with chronic issues i accumulate a lot of those little orange bottles and i recycle them in a multitude of ways but that is a common sight in my house is uh those little orange bottles so that's my sleeping bag those are my sleeping bags i need to I, a I winter and a summer i just imagined you like crafting and making like a wreath with like the orange bottles and stuff. There's, there's a lot. I mean, I definitely, I've looked up a lot of things one can do with them because I have a few. It's not always negative though. Like I remember what That's like true. Carrie Fisher's urn was like a, a, I think a Prozac. Yes. And there are a pill. number of um, like artists that do sort of um, pharmaceutical like a commentary on pharmaceutical things. And so you can get like a clutch that's a pill. And very Ooh, there you go. There you go. And then we have our sleeping bags. We're having a sleeping party. Rent two movies, get one for free. We're in our mythical blockbuster that has a copy of everything going through the aisles. 
gotta pick them out before the store closes. Somebody turned on a vacuum cleaner. We've only got 15 minutes left. What are you gonna choose to go with Mickey and the Bear? Rent two, get one free. So my theme is actually two movies that qualify for AP that we have not covered, but I think we should cover. Okay. The theme is young people who, like I said, have had to take a larger role within their family due to a a death. Extra responsibility. Extra responsibility, yeah. At at the teenage age, it's such a hard age. (laughs) Um, Right. It's it's difficult if all things go well. Yes, exactly. So when, when you have that extra responsibility... Just something that I've always uh, been fascinated with story-wise. So, of course, Mickey and the Bear, we see that. Um, two other movies where we also see that, and I think do a really good job of it, um, are, well, first, the half of it, which uh, Netflix film came out in 2020. Uh, really awesome. Written and directed by Alice Wu. Um, one of my favorite films of that year. We definitely have to cover it. Where does that one take place? I forgot, but it's also somewhat more rural mm. the young woman her father is a widower uh remote town of squamish squash oh washington so, oh washington yeah yeah yeah. there you go she has to she, she has a bigger role in her family because it's just her and her father her father's naturally gotcha. a little bit more protective of her because of it great romance in this film and it's rare that i say that about a teen film but this one was one of my favorite teen films that not a lot of people saw nice. uh, because of the whole 2020 thing that we definitely definitely have to cover this film so the half of it is my first choice and my second choice is a film i talked about on our 2021 teen film review and that's paper spiders where Ooh, um yes. one woman in that has to care for her widowed mother more and more while she's in high school as she uh begins to the mother begins to suffer more and more from uh, paranoid delusions and mental illness. And um, she is also faced with the dilemma of, do I leave my mother here and go away to college? Right. Or do I stay and this is my life, yeah. essentially? What are what are my choices? I love it. Those are two movies that I hope we can get to cover this year. Um, I think Paper Spiders is closer to Mickey and the Bear. But even all three, I'd love to chat and... You know, even if we, we spend 30 seconds on it, comparing the sto- compare the storytelling to sure. Mickey and the Bear. So can't wait to talk those movies. So Aislinn, same question for you. Rental, triple feature. What, what, what two other movies would you watch with Mickey and the Bear? I went a very different way. <laughs> <laughs> so um, thinking about the large, like, like, like yours, kind of the larger issues of do I stay or do I go? Like what is determined? What... What are my paths? What are my options? Do we have options, choices this way, that way? I felt like some of those, there's a parallel somewhere there with It Follows, which I know is a horror movie. (laughs) Interesting. Didn't expect that. But that's, um, folks, I mean, certainly if you listen to this podcast, you will be familiar. (laughs) This is a horror movie where, in a sense, the... um, the horror is sexually transmitted, if you will. But thinking about, certainly I think in part because of other movies that we've covered and this idea of, of um, circumstances kind of trapping folks or making them stuck in one position, I kept worrying that Mickey was going to get pregnant. 
in this mm. movie and then her friend is pregnant so that's what kind of it follows i felt like there were parallels there so that's one and then nice. in part because of this discussion and the delight you found in the moments with the other friends and the quick discussion of like are you gonna get kicked out of church this or that an old favorite of mine is saved saved yes love it and so i feel like after either it follows as a horror movie or this movie that's that's kind of so serious and and i would not say tackles all these issues but brings up a lot of issues i would want something that i also find delight in and saved is is that for me um so mine are it follows and saved very different from this movie but um would would definitely make a night of it love it great well you know differing opinions on mickey and the bear but awesome conversation love talking about it i love getting a little slice of of your beloved montana so uh thank you thank you for chatting this film with me remember guys check out all the other ap high school slumber party episodes and just our episodes in general and uh Island contenders also why aren't we all maybe anything Absolutely. else you're doing these days <laughs> cageclub.me is where you will find um all of that great information thank you for pointing this movie out i love i love the montana film i love to see montana it's um always uh makes me feel like i've taken a nice breath of fresh montana air even just seeing it through the screen i am on Twitter at SassyNerdMT and on Instagram at Island.Ruth. Although, again, I do not really understand how to use Instagram well, but I'm getting there. And if you <laughs> haven't listened to the year-end review yet, I highly recommend it um, because we had such a great time talking about a lot of really interesting movies that came out in this genre last year. Definitely, definitely. Um... Well, we want you to listen to everything, but I feel like that's also a good entry point for AP. Totally, yes. If you have friends that you want, you're like, ooh, this is good, point them to the ear interview episodes, maybe. Definitely. Well, thanks, Aislinn. Thanks. This, of course, is Bobby Wood's Dollhouse, which is featured in Mickey and the Bear. And I, of course, am Brian Rodriguez, one half of the High School Slumber Party AP duo. Just checking in at the tail end of this episode to uh, share some news. Tall Girl 2 dropped on Netflix for Valentine's Day. So Eisen and I will probably be covering that at some point. I don't know about anytime soon, but at some point. And it did well. Netflix top 10, so whatever. We salute you, tall girl too. Also wanted to let you know about your homework for this Friday. It's to check out and watch a film about a high school science teacher. And a lot of things happen to him. It's crazy. But definitely, definitely do your homework. Because we're talking M. Night Shyamalan's The Happening. We 
supposed to stop here? What's going on? You can't just leave us here. Sir, we lost contact. With whom? Everyone. There appears to be an event happening. It's some kind of attack. The first stage is loss of speech. Claire. Claire? The second stage is physical disorientation. The third stage is fatal. are spreading Boston, Philadelphia, Maryland. That's all over the country. Authorities are now feeling that a terrorist group being responsible is becoming less and less likely. She says everyone's dead outside. guest will be the always entertaining Jenny O'Connell and I want to warn you guys that this movie can be intense however well let me put it this way when it came out it was really panned now some people are considering it a b-movie classic is it scary is it hilarious we'll let you know our thoughts on Friday so please do your homework and watch the happening and one more thing before I let you go life moves pretty fast if you don't stop looking around once in a while You could miss it. Later, dudes.
go.